You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. Good morning, family. Good to see you. Boy, it's crowded today. I like that. Good to see you all and uh, grateful for the, uh, the bye week. You know, the week where you're not supposed to do anything, and then, you know, your wonderful pastor say, hey, Robert, you want to preach on the 20th? Yeah. Oh, that's the bye week, man. No, excited to be here with you all, though. I'm grateful. Uh, Man, love every one of those songs. You know, that's the second time I've heard them this morning. They just ushered me into a place where I feel like, man. I'm ready to worship God now. I'm ready to hear from God. So thank you so much. That was just beautiful, everybody. That was, that was great. So Pastor Jonathan came last week, you know, because it's tough being a pastor. You know, he beat up on Pastor Joel, and he, he sucked it up and said, Jonathan, you get up there, man. We got a tough crowd. And then they said, well, Robert, you work with football people. You, you get up there next week. So that's why I'm here this morning. So grateful grateful for you guys praying for us. Thank you for being our family. Uh, Again, our church family has always been our family because we have never lived around our family (laughs) since we've been married for 20 years. So you guys are our family. So, But Pastor Jonathan did a great job last week in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. And really, how Paul was sharing with us that our momentary afflictions that we have, the the, the things that we face in this life pale in comparison to uh, the eternal glory we'll experience with, with the Lord. So I think what I got out of that was, uh, too, that our toughest challenge is looking, uh, not looking at the seen, but the unseen. And keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on the promises of God, because that's what faith is about, that we look at the promises of God. We, we walk by faith, not by sight, and we'll hit on that a little bit here as well. But that's what Paul was trying to encourage us with. These things are momentary. You know, they, they, they only last for a certain period of time. But you just wait. You just wait. There's an eternal glory that we can't explain uh, all fully that we can't even imagine what it's going to be like in the presence of God. So, but before I go on to the next section in chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through 10, I'm going to unpack that a little bit. But before I do that, I want you to, you know, this, this will kind of lead us where we're going. You know, I have a lot of conversations with guys that are, you know, my age now. Well, my age, you know, I like to joke about that all the time. You know, I'm 50. Why are you looking at me like that? You know, she, my wife's looking at me like my birth certificate says something different. You know, I'm, I am 50, just so you know. But, uh, and, you know, I like to joke about it because Micah, you know, made a joke of me being 50 in January. And he said, Dad, you're half dead. <laughs> that was his way of greeting me on my birthday morning. 
And I said, you know me, I'm a smart aleck too. I said, oh, really? So you got me down for 100? Because he said, I'm half dead. I said, so you got me down for 100. Okay, I get it. But I have a lot of conversations with, you know, guys from, you know, college years and friends growing up from high school. And, you know, things are a lot different now. You know, as we get older, here's what some of these conversations sound like. You know, I'll call them up or they'll call me up. Hey, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? Oh, how is everything? Oh, man, my bunions hurt. Uh, man, my back feels broken and everything. Man, I, I don't know. I, I got Dunlap disease. You know what that is? My, my, in, my midsection for the guys is Dunlapped over my belt. You know, I got, oh, this is terrible. You know, man, I used to have an afro. Now I got a half-fro because it starts right here and goes on back. And, oh, man, everything. Oh, and I'm just listening. I'm like, wow, okay. I must be doing okay then, uh, you know. I mean, I can relate. I have my aches and pains, and I have my issues and things that come with living in this earthly tent. I, I, I get it. But it often ends with, uh, you know, when they say those kind of things, they'll end with a response like, well, man, you know, I, I guess it beats the alternative. And I'm thinking, well, the alternative must mean that you're not here anymore, and uh, I don't know if I quite agree with that. You know, I actually, you know, I was talking to uh, someone at a church as well. They sent me an email and I responded to the email and the administrative assistant was kind of giving me the same kind of spiel, you know, what was going on. And said, well, I guess it beats the alternative. And something in me decided to say, you know what, I, I think we say that on this side. And you really think about it as Christ followers, as believers, we know that this world is not our home. And that we do have, uh, you know, our soul spends eternity somewhere else in the presence of God. So I said to the, in response, I said, man, you know what? Uh, we say that on this side. And, you know, if what we're believing is absolutely true, and I believe that it is, that we do have a home in heaven waiting for us. And that this world isn't, you know, our final destination. And if we hold on to that tightly, there's going to be an experience that we will partake of that outweighs anything we could ever imagine here on this earth. So I think they're careful when they say that to me now. You know, well, I guess it beats the alternative. Well, if you've really thought about the alternative... When we think about heaven itself, and it's going to last forever. It lasts forever. However, we are, however old we are, however much time God gives us here, on the timeline of eternity, it's just a blip, our life. It really is just a blip. But we have eternity to look forward to, an experience that we can't explain fully, but just know that God has a place for us. God has a place. So as Paul, as Pastor Jonathan was sharing last week, so as Paul was talking about these momentary afflictions that only last for a period of time and that we're going to move on, and it's only natural that now we talk about this heavenly home that awaits us. And in that, it's not specifically talking about heaven itself, but where our soul will spend eternity. What happens when this body is laid in the ground or laid to rest and our soul, what happens with that? Well, he kind of gives us a, a, a good explanation of this here. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 1, he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God 
a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now we know that Paul had his own physical difficulties, and he experienced, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he went through it, you know, shipwreck, beaten, all the things that he experienced. But yet, he says, look, when this earthly home is destroyed, meaning that this body is it's wasting away. It's wasting away. But yet, we're always reminded of how we're being renewed from the inside. Our hearts being changed. We're being transformed by the renewal of our minds and, and the, the scripture that dwells in us richly. We have that inside of us that's growing and developing into the person that God is calling us to be. So as this earthly tent wastes away, we're being renewed from the inside. So that's encouraging to me. So as Paul faced the things that he was facing, he didn't hold on to uh, despair because of his, his health was failing. All he, he never held on to that. He never clung to the despair. Instead, he believed and trusted that when this earthly tent was torn down, he would have, with all certainty, a home awaiting him in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of tent, I think of something that's temporary. When I think of home, I think of something a little more permanent. And so, I like how he describes that. And maybe I just wondered, they would, he was a tent maker anyway. So it's nice that we get that analogy that, you know, hey, this thing, this tent that you see here, or some of your verses and say tabernacle, which is a tent, it, it's going to be torn down. But yet, that's not the, something for us to be discouraged about. Because remember, this world's not our home, right? So as he says that, it, it makes me think too. Um, my grandmother raised me, so... Um, Surprise to all of y'all, I am African-American, <laughs> in case y'all didn't notice that. So I used to hear these old gospel songs when I grew up. I think I was probably, it may have, I was born in 1969, so let me think, probably in the 70s or maybe even the 80s. I think I discovered one day on my grandmother's little box radio, I discovered FM radio. Never heard of my dad's cars always had the little AM things in it. I discovered FM radio and I found a, a gospel radio station, man, and it blew my mind. And I would remember some of these songs that I, I would hear, and I'm guaranteeing you this one song that I heard, I'm guaranteeing you it came from this verse because I'm gonna read just a few of the lyrics to you, and my wife would know this. And no, I'm not going to make you sing. Anyway, it, it, here's the title of it. It says, there's a leak in this old building. All right? Here, here's the word. There's a leak in this old building, and my soul has got to move. My soul has got to move. There's a leak in this old building, and my soul has got to move. There's a building that's made, or a building not made by man's hands. And then as she goes on in the song, she says, there's a leak in this old building. And, or the, no, this building keeps on leaning, and my soul has got to move. My soul has got to move. There, uh, this building keeps on sinking, and my soul has got to move. See, that's, that's something, it, it was joy found in this song, knowing that, yes, this, this thing's going to pass away. It's going to be laid to rest. But there's a home. My soul has got to move, and it's going to move into the presence of God. 
I get excited about that because, I, you know, I can't even jump up and touch the rim anymore. And I used to be able to dunk a basketball. And, you know, I have boys now that do that. And they run up and down the floor. Dad, watch this. You know, boom. And I'm just, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, I can't even jump up there and touch the net. In fact, I tried a few weeks ago to touch, to grab the net down because, you know, sometimes you shoot it and the ball goes through the net and the net gets caught. So I thought, well, let me go. Since I'm rebounding and passing to them, let me jump up there and get the net down. So I jumped up and I missed it and they laughed at me. Oh, Dad. You know, the jumping part wasn't the bad part. But when I came down, oh, man, every, all of the, everything's went, oh, you know, my body said, what are you doing? And it's just another reminder that this old building keeps on leaning and it's sinking. And, but that's okay. My soul does have to move because there is a home that God has prepared. And it's a building that's not made by hand. So as we contrast, with the, let's compare these, the, this physical body, this earthly body. It, it's made by flesh. Uh, it's limited in its abilities, as I just explained to you. I do not have the abilities that I had when I was 20, 25, or even 30. I mean, 50 is rough. Anyway, it comes with a born on and an expiration date. Yeah, this physical body. And, but this body needs rest. It needs food. It needs water. It needs sometimes medication and sometimes fine-tuning. That's where my wife comes in. She's my first aid kit. When I go out there and do those things that I know I shouldn't have been doing for so long, and I come in moaning and groaning, I'm aching, and she just reminds me lovingly, that's okay. I'll rub your back. That's okay. I'll take care of you. See, but this earthly body has different features than the resurrection body that we get that I will talk about in a minute here. So notice the difference in your resurrection body. Look at the features. It's produced by God. It's unlimited in its abilities, unlimited warranty, no expiration date on it at all because it lasts for eternity, and it's precisely designed for its environment, needs no adjustments. See, because this flesh can't be in the presence of God. See, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die. But understand, it's transition from this life to the next. None of us in here know when we will step into eternity. None of us know. But our hope and our belief and our trust is that when we do, we have a home that's waiting for us. That's what we should be overjoyed about. That's what Paul was saying. Now he's, in verses two through four, he's, he's talking about that. For in this tent we groan, longing to be to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So that term to, that we won't be found naked, meaning, you know, believers, we're clothed in righteousness when we come into a relationship with God. We're clothed in righteousness. So what he's saying is that 
what Paul's explaining here, there's, there's three human states here kind of in this verse. He's saying that the present physical state is the earthly tent that we, we have now. Then there's an intermediate state between death and the second coming when the soul resides with Jesus. So when we, do, when we pass away, we, our soul goes to be the believers with, before God. And then what happens is there's a rapture of the church and there's a resurrection. And then we get these, resurrected, these resurrection bodies that we get. Oh, what a happy day. What a happy day. What a fantastic thing. And it lasts for eternity. So the physical state, it it will no longer be present, but there's this resurrected body that we get. And believers, we're not left naked. We're not without a body because God promised that to us. It's one of his promises. See, and faithful is he to keep his promises. Believers will be clothed with immortality. Immortality. It lasts forever. So when Paul had his physical ailments and he longed to be in the moment of what that transformed body would look like. And if we go back into 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, I'm going to read something for you. Here's what Paul was longing for, verse 50 through 55. Here's what he says. I tell, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? See, this is what he was longing for. So, although he had all of his issues, he understood that he was preparing for move-in day. For move-in day. And this life that we experience now is preparing us for move-in day in eternity with our King, with the Lord, with the Creator. This is what Paul was saying here. So as we move on here to verse 5, there is a key to the home. I believe there's a key, and and this is what he says in verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit is given to us at the moment of conversion and that we receive him into our lives when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the guarantee of the promise that God has made those who place their faith in him. So this is a promise that we hold on to and, and, a, and it's somewhat of a key, I'd like to say, and it comes to us at the moment of conversion. So the Holy Spirit himself influences us day to day. It says that to be filled with the Spirit in scripture. So that means to be controlled by, be led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is what influences the believer. It helps us. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He, he orders our steps in the Word, in the truth of God's Word. And as we allow Him to, to guide us through this life, He guides us through the suffering that we face with in our little physical ailments and things that we do. I understand sometimes it's really hard. We face some really tough, tough things in this life, but understand that it pales in comparison 
to eternity with God. It's just part of the journey on our way home. We're on our way home. Just remember that. On our way home. And these things that we face in this life, momentary, momentary. So, as we move on to verse 6, he's longing for home. He's longing for home. This is what Paul says. So we are always of good courage. Always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Well, he, he says, look, I, yeah, I, I long for that day. But yet while I'm still here, I'm going to be of good courage. I'm going to inspire others. I'm going to help others come to know who Jesus Christ is by the way I live my life. So we all, if you remember, God created us in his image and in his likeness. So that means we're his representation again. And we have a responsibility to him as his ambassadors. And in that, we have our relationship with him that is to be a mirror image of Jesus himself. We're to live like he lived. That's what he calls us to. So that's when you understand that. So we're always of good courage knowing those things. But while I'm at home in this body, I want to do everything I can do to please the Lord and to do what he's called me to do and what he's called you to do. Each one of us are different. We all have our different circumstances and things that we have in our lives. But the one thing that we really have in common as believers is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he saved us. And he saved us just for a purpose. That we're to be doing what he's called us to do. So Paul says, while I'm in this body, I'm going to do everything I can do to please God. I'm going to be of good courage. Always. Although he does long to be home. He does long to be home because he knows what awaits him. He trusts in what awaits him. So you ever been away from home for a period of time? And, you know, after a while, you think, man, I really want to get back home. There's some, some things that I miss about home, especially having a kid in college now. And even though he's only an hour away, he's been home a whole lot. It's amazing to me. I'm thinking, I'm like, what are you, a commuter student now? I looked, I'm like, what are you doing home again? You know, he's only an hour away, but I, I love it. But there's something about home to him that makes him want to come back home. All the time. And it's not just the dirty laundry that he brings, you know, and all that other stuff. You know, I will say that he does bring his own detergent home, which is pretty cool, although he doesn't use it. Anyway, <laughs> so, but it's something about longing for home. And that's what Paul is saying here of, of good courage. And you know, I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I'm living by what I believe, not what I see. The more we see in this world that we live in, well, we can become pretty discouraged if the things that we experience in this world that we see, but we walk by faith and we trust in the promises of God. That's what the faith is, right? Those things that you can't see, that's what faith is. We, we walk by faith because we're believing in the promises of God and that they will come to pass because he's promised them. So Paul is telling us that here. And, and he's explaining this so clearly to us. So when I think about this, uh, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> uh, about two or three weeks ago, we had a, uh, 
we had some things go on. I know you guys saw some things on TV where, where someone had lost a, a, a close a friend. And uh, I'll just explain it that way. During that same time, I got a call from some friends in Pittsburgh and um, had a friend down there, a good friend of mine, who I know had been battling cancer since I've known him, which was 15 years. And I was trying to go see him uh, the very day that the other tragedy took place here in, in, in Cleveland. I had to attend to that and couldn't go down to, to Pittsburgh and see him. And a few days later, I heard, you know, hey, you know, family doesn't want anyone to come now. And he just wants to be with his family. And I kind of understood what was going on. And, but I talked to him a few months back. And I'm going to tell you something. This guy was so ready to go meet Jesus that it encouraged me. It wasn't that he had no fear. He had no doubt. He was so assured that his faith in Jesus was going to allow him to be in his presence. And that, you know what, I'm, this old body that I'm in, man, it's just wearing out, Robert. I'm ready to go home. My soul has got to move and I'm ready to move on. And he did shortly after that. A few days later, he passed away. And I thought about how encouraging he was and where his faith was. His faith was like this. There is no place like home. There is no place like home. And I'm happy to say today that my good friend Don Morris is, I believe, in the presence of, of the Lord. And... Um, Yet we live on, but yet we look at the example of the kind of faith of what it looks like to be longing for home. And we don't have to be uh, physically ailing to long for home. We don't have to be facing sickness or anything else. We can long for home because we know that it's where a place where God has prepared for us and that we should be excited about that. And like I'm saying, we ain't got to check out early. You just live long enough to however long God's got for you. And, you, you, you know, statistics are pretty good. You know, most, most of us are going to die. We're, we're going we're gonna to transform, trans, uh, we're gonna be transferred into eternity somewhere along the way. We're, we're going to move out of this body and on into our new home. A building that made by man's hands. That's the good thing about it. So. Verses 9 and 10, he says this, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So you know all those wonderful things that you do for the Lord that you think that just goes unnoticed? Oh, nobody knows. Nobody recognizes. This is a thankless thing and all this other stuff, you know, that sometimes we can feel that way, that these wonderful things that God has called us to do, that we do them and no one says thank you sometimes. Did you know that God sees everything? Don't you understand that nothing escapes his eye? He sees it all. And that's what encourages me. Now, I'll tell you, the, the, the folks that I you know, deal with, they tell me all the time, we're a tough group. And we know it. Oh, man, we know we're hard to deal with and all this and that. And, you know, and sometimes I feel like, man, it'd be nice if somebody would say thank you. And then I'm reminded that my father sees this in heaven. And when I go to my closet and I go and pray 
for the very people that I feel like could be <laughs> just thankless at times. But you know, I stay there in that place because I know that God has called me to this. And whatever he's called you to, don't think that it goes unnoticed. God sees it all. And you will be rewarded for it. He will give you a commendation for it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I kind of like that, you know, well done, good and faithful servant thing. I, I like that. I, I, I imagine hearing that. And most of us as men anyway, uh, words of affirmation are our love language. So why don't we hear those kind of things from the Lord? Well done when you do something well for him. Know that he sees it. Understand that he's going to, when you say thank you to him, it's okay. My father-in-law taught me this. He says, it's okay to hear him say, you're welcome. It's okay. It's okay. So Paul is saying, man, we're always in a place of pleasing him and our good works that we do. God will praise those good works and understand that Our day will come when we step out of this tent into our permanent home, a home in a resurrected body that he gives us. How glorious is that going to be? It's a lot different than this physical body that's wearing out because it's timeless. It won't end. And I get I get excited about that. I really do. So life application for this thing here, the transition from this life to the next is part of the journey of on our way home. It's just part of the journey. Make the most of your time by pleasing the Lord in whatever you do, because we don't know how much time we have. We just don't know. That's why we're to be about God's work. We're to be about his business, doing what he's called us to do. Don't listen to what the world has to say. Don't buy into what the world has to offer. Look at what God has to offer you. For being obedient to him. That's what's most important. And remember this. Christians are not citizens. I heard this from Dr. David Jeremiah the other day. I was listening to him and, and he said this and it just kind of stuck with me. I was driving down the road when I was listening. It says, remember, Christians are not citizens of earth going to heaven. They are citizens of heaven passing through earth. Ah, it's all about perspective, isn't it? It really is about perspective. So we are citizens of heaven, believers, and we're passing through the earth. And we will be home one day. And one day soon, if you compare it to eternity, it's going to be soon, whatever that may be. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. We don't have to doubt. God has promised. This is his promise. And we hold on to his promises because we will see them come to pass. And I'm going to close with this. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I sometimes I watch TV and you know I was flipping around the other night I don't know why I was up at one in the morning watching TV and um, you know the little Netflix thing you watch movies every now so I, I watch this movie that I've seen before but something just kind of said hey I'm gonna watch this a little bit so I, I watched some of the bucket list when you think of that bucket list, wow, why would you watch something like that? Oh, that's the, yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's got a neat little storyline to it. Uh, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson are the, the stars of the movie. Now, Morgan Freeman has been a, mecha- a mechanic for like 45 years. He's married. He's got three kids. And, you know, he worked hard as a mechanic for 45 years, you know, honest hustle. And he's taking care of his children. All of them are successful. And, you know, he, he's not feeling well. And he, he goes to the doctor and he finds out he has cancer. 
And at the same time, Jack Nicholson is this rich guy. And he owns, uh, he privatizes hospitals in the movie. You know, he comes in, he buys these hospitals, and he helps them function. And one of the things was, oh, it's two beds to a room no matter what. You know, all this kind of stuff, keeping the costs down and all this stuff. Well, he finds out uh, that he's sick too. So he goes to his own hospital, and the two happen to be in the same room. So, you know, and they're totally night and day different as people. You know, black guy, white guy, that wasn't the main thing. But the, the funny thing is they put them in the same room and they find out shortly after that that they both, uh, that their cancer, it's not very good for them. And they give them this time period, you know, hey, you, you might have this much time. So they come up with what they call the bucket list. All these things that they want to do before they die. So uh, Jack Nicholson says, man, well, you know what? All I got is money, man. Well, don't, don't worry about what it is. I got money if you want to do this. Let's go ahead and do whatever, right? So they skydive. They do all this crazy. They take these race cars and run into each other. They do all these crazy things, right? One night, they're on the plane. They're going to somewhere, some exotic location, and they're flying in the plane, and Morgan Freeman looks out the window and he sees the moon and the, and the clouds and the stars in the sky. And he says, look at that. Look at the stars. Man, that's one of God's good ones. And Jack Nicholson goes, you believe in all that religious stuff? I mean, really? And Morgan Freeman says, well, yeah, I, I have faith. I have faith. And Jack Nicholson says, well, you know, I just never could wrap my head around all that. And this is the best part of it. Morgan Freeman looks at him and says, well, maybe your head is in the way. Maybe your head is in the way. You know, we don't have to understand everything about God. We just have to trust him with everything that he's given us. Don't let your head get in the way. Believe that you do have uh, an eternal home waiting for you. And you do have a, a, a resurrection body that's going to be given to you on the day of rapture. Just understand that. Trust it and believe it. Hold on to it. And I tell you what, time will come and time will tell that God is word, God's word is true if we just trust him. Don't let your head get in the way. Just trust him. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, we do love you. We thank you that we have a place to where we can come and worship you freely, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that as your word dwells in us richly, Father, that we would become the men and women of God that you are calling us to be. Lord, let us not live with fear, but live with hope and belief and trust, Lord, that the day will come when we will be face to face with you. What a great day it will be. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.